0: Chapter Two of the Little Foresters A Story of Field and Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Campbell Shelp. The Little Foresters A Story of Field and Woods by Clarence Hawkes. Chapter Two The Trysting Tree the trysting tree was an ancient oak standing in the centre of the forest where the friendly birds squirrels and smaller creatures of the woods were in the habit of meeting each day these meetings were held at about sunrise and sunset to gossip and talk over the happenings of the day before or relate the adventures of the night that had just passed for living as they do in a world that is hostile to them where they have the snares of larger animals and birds as well as those of man to avoid it is not strange that many a thrilling adventure was related under the old trysting tree to an expectant group each one of whom was silently thankful that it had not been he of the company that met at the oak i best remember the following there was nimrod the crow as black as a coal who always sat in a watchful attitude upon the topmost bough of the oak, balancing himself nicely, and looking in every direction at once. He was the sentinel, and his vigilance delivered the little people from many a danger. Nimrod was a natural sentinel, for his croaking made him none the less watchful, and he could carry on a flirtation with a saucy jay, winking and blinking with one of his bright eyes, while he scanned the landscape with the other. But there was not very much to fear at this time of day. The only enemy who would be likely to be about was Sparrowhawk, whose coming and going no one could account for. He was hated and feared by all the birds, as well as by the squirrels, for he not only killed to satisfy his hunger, but also for malice. He took a particular delight in robbing birds' nests, eating the eggs, and killing the young birds, so that all the birds were very careful when building their nests that sparrow-hawk was not around of the animals cats weasels and foxes were the most to be feared and it took the combined vigilance of all to scent these dangers it was very strange though how quickly these little folks of the woods would completely disappear at a sound of warning from any one of their number no matter how merrily they had been chattering away a minute before At the warning note, the woods would suddenly become as still as death. Nimrod would rise high in air and fly away. Rough grouse would follow his lead on silent wings, while the jays and the squirrels would hide in the treetop. The chipmunk would slip into his hole at the foot of the tree, and the rabbit would squat under a bush, and being just the colour of the ground, it took the sharpest eyes to discover him while Frisk and Frawley and their cousin Redder had a way of hiding that baffled all inquiry. Each of these little creatures is possessed of an instinct that tells him just what is the best thing to do in time of danger, else how could they exist in a world in which they have so many enemies? The great sun that always brings so much gladness into the world was just mounting up over the eastern hills. His warm beams, falling upon the treetops, Made bright patches of sunlight in the aisles of the sweet green woods, although the sun was very early in his coming, he was not ahead of the little people of the woods who are very thrifty and up betimes for more than half an hour. They had been stirring, and by the time he was quarter of an hour high, they had all breakfasted and were ready for the morning meeting at the trysting tree. The squirrels had been away to a distant orchard for sweet apples the birds had found their usual number of worms and bugs by the roadside or in the moulds beneath dead leaves and ferns while bob the cottontail had made a fine breakfast of birch twigs and winter green leaves of which he was very fond nimrod who had made his meal from the cornfield and had afterwards taken a bath at the brook was as usual the first to arrive at the tree he at once proceeded to call the others with a series of loud caws for which he was famous Then there was such a pattering of small feet, for the squirrels came running in the treetops and the rabbits on the ground, each chattering and scolding away in his own language, all of which was understood by each member of this great family. The last to arrive at the tristing tree was Chucky, who was so fat that he could scarcely waddle, and for that reason was usually late. "'Hello, Chucky, hello!' cried all the little folks in chorus for Chucky was quite a favourite with them, and he amused them with his clumsy ways. "'Well, Chucky, how are beans?' asked Nimrod, when the fat, lazy woodchuck had seated himself at the foot of the tree, and Nimrod had declared the meeting open for discussion. First rate Nim, first-rate,' replied Chucky, with a grunt of deep satisfaction. "'The only trouble is I have eaten so many that I can hardly walk.' "'You are getting pretty free with the farmer's beans, "'and I am afraid he will get after you again "'one of these fine mornings with his thunderstick,' said the crow. "'That was a very close shave that you had the other morning, "'and if I hadn't happened along, he would have got you then.' "'Tell us about it, Nimrod, tell us about it,' cried all the little foresters. "'Well,' said the old crow, straightening himself with dignity, It isn't very much of a story, but I do think that it adds another feather to the glory of the crow family. It was this way. Chucky was down in the bean-patch getting his breakfast, and I was sitting upon the top of the old maple in the mowing, when I happened to see the farmer coming down the road with the thunder-stick over his arm. Whom is he after now? I thought to myself. And then I looked down to the bean-patch and saw Chucky— "'and the meaning of the farmer's early walk was plain. "'How could I warn poor Chucky? "'That was the question. "'I knew that he was such a stupid fellow "'that he would not see or scent danger, "'and it looked very much as though his hide "'would be drying on the barn in another hour. "'At this point Nimrod looked seriously down at Chucky, "'whose hair stood up at the thought. "'Well,' continued the crow, "'If I was to fly down and tell him, "'I would get in range myself and be peppered for my pains. "'You people all know I do not like to have my feathers ruffled with big shot. "'Fortunately, I thought of that member of our family "'who dropped the stones into the pitcher and raised the water until he could drink, "'so I set my wits to work. "'Then I had a bright idea. "'I flopped down to the ground and picked up a big pebble.' Then I rose high in the air and went sailing over the place where Chucky was eating beans. I knew I was out of reach of the thunderstick, and so I was not afraid. When I got just above Chucky, I dropped the stone. He at once raised up on his hind legs to see what had disturbed him, and saw the farmer and started for his hole. Bang! Wing! went the thunderstick, but Chucky was so far away that it did no harm and I tell you it didn't take him very long to get into his hole. Chucky felt very much like a hero when Nimrod had finished his story, and he grinned broadly, while the little foresters crowded round to tell him they were glad the farmer didn't get him. "'Oh, well,' said Chucky in his easy-going way. "'I guess.' But what he would have said we do not know, for at a warning note from Nimrod there was a whirling of wings and a patter of small feet, But none too soon, for with a scream a large hawk swooped into the top of the tree after getting his own morning breakfast which he was late in getting. The smaller birds and the squirrels fled away into the thickest treetops, and of a sudden the forest became as still as death. Chatterbox, the red squirrel, was not three feet away in the hole in the tree, but Redtail did not see him, and he could not have got him if he had, a fact the squirrel well knew. "'but he kept very still nevertheless. "'Redtail glared savagely about him. "'The tree had been so full of fur and feathers a moment ago, "'and where had it all gone? "'Then he caught sight of Bob the rabbit, "'squatting under a bunch of brakes, "'and darted down at him. "'And then a race began which would have been very comical "'had it not been a matter of life and death to one poor Cottontail. "'Bob sprang from point to point.' keeping in the underbrush all of the time and dodging like a bounding ball. Again and again the great bird swooped for him and opened his terrible talons, and poor Bob barely escaped. Once he even got a clawful of the rabbit's fuzzy fur and left a bad wound upon his back. But Bob did not care for wounds as long as his good long legs were left with which to double and twist. Then Nimrod came to Bob's assistance. He darted at the hawk and pecked at him savagely, and all of the time he kept up a most deafening calling, partly to distract the hawk, and partly to call his friends whom he knew were not far distant. Then Bob made a desperate spurt through an open place where he barely escaped from the talons of the hawk and dove under a tangle of deep brambles and vines and was safe. "'Caw-caw!' cried Nimrod derisively. "'Caw-caw!' "'The hawk clenched his talons in fury and screamed back at Nimrod, "'and was about to fly at the brave crow, "'when he noticed several of Nimrod's friends coming through the woods, "'so he beat a hasty retreat and was soon lost in the distance. "'Bob then came out of the bramble and thanked Nimrod for the service that he had done him, "'and then scampered away to the swamp where he lived. "'Feeling that he had had excitement enough for one day,' and thanking good fortune that he had escaped. End of chapter 2